There are two things you need to know from the beginning. First, Billy Everest has never, ever said a word. And second, sometimes water slides are as dangerous as they look. hot December day was burning in the west and families sought refuge in the water park. Gushing neon slides zigzagged through the crowd while they hopped and skipped across concrete set alight by the sun. Shade was scarce by design. The only source of cool air came from gazebos spruiking lemonade and ice cream at wartime prices. Bright colours melted together in the heat and became a thick hot liquid that you could just about drown in. The water park was a well-executed assault on the senses, insanity, and wallets of its patrons. Billy Everest was perched above the chaos, tending to a rickety, unpopular water slide. He stood at the top of a winding metal staircase, watching, silently, as groups of four excited and frustrated and often sunburnt people climbed into an inflatable yellow craft. He would make them disappear with a nod of his head, but he never said a word to any of them. Billy had been a mute for as long as anyone could remember. He'd been a very quiet baby. Most people thought that he couldn't talk, that he'd been born without a larynx or opinions. But the truth was that Billy Everest didn't speak because he had magic in his head. It made sense that he applied for work as a water slide attendant. Strong, silent types filled the position all across the park and all across the country, and actually, at the top of just about every water slide in the world is a quiet old soul who says all they need to with a nod and occasional grunt. You may also be aware that all water slide attendants everywhere are at war with teenage boys. Miscreant youngsters, punks, hoodlums, never-do-wells, and red-hot December days are when the fighting really kicks off. It riles the boys up, makes them angry, confused. Normally, their delinquency is focused on their parents or teachers, but 40-degree days are handed down from above. The teenage boys just don't know who to blame, so they rebel against the world at large. Inland water parks are rife with boys like these, and four of the very worst now teamed about Billy's stool. These boys had run rampant all day. They splashed people in wading pools, they cut in lines, they dacked each other, they littered, and they went down some water slides backwards to prove a point they didn't know how else to articulate. Billy waved them through. He smiled at the boys, and each of them, for a moment, forgot who they were and smiled back. Such is the magnetism of Billy Everest, and the magic in his head. He nodded, and the boys disappeared. Billy Everest watched the world through a lens that's... Well, it's difficult to explain, especially given that he doesn't speak. It's a kind of ineffable... Uh, modern medicine isn't really capable of... Uh, black and white CT scans can't capture all the colours, and... Basically, he's weird. A good weird. 
He absorbs, he adores, he vacuums up every sight and sound of the world around him and turns it into a symphony in his mind, like a euphoric and infinite opera that only he is watching. He didn't dare talk out of respect for the performers. Ah, that didn't help. All right, it's like this. Imagine walking through a busy place, like an airport or an inland water park, and just letting the world roll around you. Imagine watching as the people and places and sounds and colours live their lives in fleeting glimpses to your left and right. A narrative unique to you is born, played out and dead in an instant. You become a fish in the ocean with the sea rushing past and you quickly lose yourself in the power and the wonder of the symphony of the tide. That's how Billy Everest feels all the time. That is the magic in his head. And on this particular day, in this particular symphony, the plot was about to escalate. Concerned voices crackled through Billy's radio at the same time that screams echoed upwards from within. He swan-dived into the tunnel. And you might think that diving, I mean actually, literally diving, like a swan, head first into an unknown danger, is a bit drastic. Maybe a little rash. You might be more of a wait-and-see kind of person, and fair enough. Your brain is not like Billy Everest's brain. No one's brain is like Billy Everest's brain. Something comes over him when there's a crisis. An instinct to help, to solve, to save. It's immediate, automatic. In a standard day at the water park, he'll rip drowning kids out of the deep end, resuscitate senior citizens, sterilise wounds, find lost wallets, find lost children, and all of it without a word. All of it with a smile. The magic in his brain turns the world into a show, and that show, of course, must go on. And so that is why, when his radio crackled, and he heard screams echoing upwards from within, without even thinking about it, Billy Everest swan-dived into the tunnel. This water slide was not particularly special, but it was a zany shape. It looped and swirled at the start before entering a period of inexplicable grace around the middle. There, the tunnel spewed out into a slow, narrow whirlpool. It was the architect's vision that screaming passengers would take a breath here as they spun, as they whirled, and reflect on the absurd and cyclical peaks and troughs of life the average water slide goer, especially the teenage boy variety, has no time for poetry. The boys, the hoodlums, hated being tricked into introspection, resented being made to whirl, and they thrashed and jumped about in so reckless, deviant, luckless a fashion that their raft became wedged in a bolt, a rickety bolt, a structurally important bolt right at the end of the whirlpool. 
and the boys weren't having any of that. They bounced and smashed around harder in the dark, in the heat. They punched at the walls of the world that encased them. They hammered away at the zany water slide's weakest point. And this bolt, this connector between the whirlpool and the rest of the slide was vulnerable. Not just because of some pseudo-aquatic metaphor made by some long-forgotten high-minded water slide architect, but because of gravity and basic engineering. And in time, the rickety bolts began to fracture. The bolts around it were exhausted. And the whole panel split. And the boys felt a breeze. Which is one of the worst things you can feel in an enclosed water slide. The universe stopped shaking. Their raft was the only thing that connected the whirlpool and the rest of the slide. They were suspended, hung. The raft made the barest of contact with either split end. The boys were stuck, it seemed, in midair. There was a 10 meter drop beneath them, with no water at the bottom. The slide groaned and they stayed as still as possible. None of them moved. None of them talked. All of them pined for their mothers. Billy Everest arrived with characteristic quietness. He wasn't afraid. In fact, he was quite amazed. It was quite a show that he was getting, and that show, of course, must go on. Uh, can you help us? One of the boys said. Silence. It lingered. Are we going to be okay? Yelled another, screaming over the sound of the groaning slide to make sure the figure heard him. Silence. Are we going to die? Screamed the third boy, who was the weakest willed and worst actor of the group. Silence. Again. It was the fourth boy's turn to speak. But all of the good questions had been taken. So, instead, he opted to gulp loudly. The water was screaming out from the whirlpool, and the whine of the rivets and load-bearing beams became louder and louder, almost deafening, and yet the silence of it all was agony. None of the boys seemed able to put words to the reality of their impending death. It was the elephant in the water slide. Desperate, drenched and seemingly doomed, each young man tried to hurriedly make peace with himself and repent for all the splashing. Slowly, without a sound, Billy took a hold of the slide's split ends with his hands. And he pushed the craft, carefully, with his feet. It slid precariously across open air. It slid slowly. It teetered on the edge. And with a sudden, powerful kick, the inflatable yellow craft was set free. It skidded down the remainder of the water slide at a hectic pace and erupted out the bottom. The boys then did their best not to cry in front of the audience that had assembled to watch the tragedy unfold. 
Not one of them littered for the rest of the day. Billy slipped out the bottom of the slide quietly, as per. And as the queue of relieved would have been water slide goers descended the metal staircase, thanking their gods, gasping in horror at the slide's split, hands over mouths, hands over hearts, they saw Billy Everest treading water. From above, it looked like some very thin, golden rays were leaking out his ears. That was probably just a trick of the light. Hi there. Uh, Welcome to These Stories Are Not Real. That was episode one called Elephants in the Water Slide. I'll be coming on at the end of the episode just to do a bit of soulless admin. But there's a reward. If you hang on to the end, there'll be a little little blooper, just a little goof. Um... Yeah, so stick around. I guess you could skip to the end now that I've now that I've told you, but I'd, it's not that long. I just um, I trust you. I will do an honesty system. My name's Gus Angus. I'm writing and recording these shows beneath a thick doona in my childhood bedroom, with uh, production assistance from Helen Wolfenden. Nick Lely did the artwork. If you haven't already subscribed, you should. Big time honesty system on that one as well and you can follow the show on instagram or check out the website for lots of cool additional stuff get in touch with me at these stories are not real at gmail.com at any time all of those links will be in the show notes last thing and the most important thing if you like this story send it to someone who might also like it email it post about it if you want it's easy to share and that way we can together develop a bit of organic growth that's an industry term We've got six episodes in this first season. Each will be its own wild, zany, self-contained story covering such diverse terrain as uh, human flight, outer space, and the Beach Boys' greatest hits. Episode two is about a violent murder and magic paintings, and it's coming out next week. Until then, I'll leave you with this reminder that some words are just harder to say than others. Thanks for listening. The only source of cool air came from gazebos. Sp- gaze- came, f- came from gaze- came from gazebo. Gaze- gaze- what a weird fucking word. Gazebo. This is the one, two, three, the third sentence. That does not bode well. He decided to gulp loudly. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> Their raft was wedged in a ri- in a rivet. Rivet. Rivet? Rivet. Their waft. Fuck. Their raft was wedged in a wit. In. (laughs) I'll just say bolt.